Okay, good morning, Christ Fellowship. How's everybody doing? All right, if you would open your Bibles to uh, Luke chapter 6, that would be just right. Luke chapter 6, verse 27 or so. And before we uh, jump into this today, I, I wanted to uh, just let everybody know a quick report. Last week, uh, so some of you may realize we're starting uh, <clears throat> phase two of, of building out this campus here that we purchased the building in, uh, 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 three years or so ago, and we have done phase one, now we're working on phase two. And uh, last week was kind of the start of that process, and we had uh, 10%, a little more than 10% of our needed total come in on, on week one. So we're encouraged, but we also want to just, you know, tell some stories and encourage everybody to get involved. And so, you know, for us, it would be a real win if everybody, 100%, even if it's, no matter if it's small or large, or if you have kids or you don't have kids that are going to benefit from new classrooms and this outreach playground area back here in the back. So let me just kind of share how Kim and I do this stuff. So when we're somewhere else and somebody says, hey, I'd like for you to give, think about this. So then what we do is we pray and we say, Lord, do you want us to give or not? And then if we get a yes, then we'll say, how much? And we get a number and usually it's usually it's amazing how close it is sometimes. And, we, you know, just uh, are encouraged in how the Lord leads us in that process. But here at Christ Fellowship, it's a little bit different because, you know, we feel like that if God's called us to be a family together, when the Lord leads us to move forward. I mean, we prayed for seven years about getting this building. I mean, so and now we're in this process of building it out. And and so. Uh, so so we, when the Lord leads us into the next piece of that, we're doing this debt-free as we go. And so as He's leading us into this, we're going, hey, this is the Lord's will for us as a church. So the first part is kind of, is it God's will or not? It's already done because we've prayed and prayed and prayed. We feel like it is the Lord's will for us. So then what Kim and I did, we said, Lord, how much? And uh, so one of us got this number, and then one of us got this number, and sometimes we go with this number and sometimes we go with this number, but on this time we met right in the middle. That's just how we did it. And we're doing a, a, a piece of that, a chunk of that this fall, you know, and then we're doing a chunk of it in the, in the spring. And so that's just kind of our, the way we're doing that. But I encourage, man, it would be awesome, even if it's just, you know, some piece, if everybody, if we had 100% being engaged but we're all in this thing together, that would be awesome. That's all I'm going to say about that today, but that would be great. So, awesome. Everybody good? Okay, here's what I want you to do to set up the reading of the Scripture today. Think of someone in your life that's a relationship that, if you're honest, it could really improve a little bit. It's a relationship where it could get better. Or maybe it's even strained. You know, it's, maybe it's a, you're going through a hard thing with somebody. So let's think about that, and now let's read the words of Jesus. Lord, bless the reading of Your Word today, okay? But I tell you who hear me, this is Jesus speaking, He says, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, and bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone strikes you on one cheek, turn to him the other also. If someone takes your tunic, your cloak, do not st take him, uh, stop him from taking your tunic. Give to everyone who asks you. If anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. 
If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, because He is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Then in verse 37, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. Okay. Wow. It's like Jesus. Teachings of Jesus. Here we go. That is probably one of the most... uh, radical, uh, well-known radical teachings of Jesus. Wouldn't you say just the world over? Love your enemies. Everybody knows that. Man, that's hard to do, right? That is a difficult saying of Jesus. And, but it's one that He modeled. It's one that He lives out. He lived out and He's showing us God's heart. And the reason, again, why we're doing this, we're in this series called Basic Training. So, you know, you, in basic training, you got the dumbbells and you do different things that you wouldn't normally do in order to use muscles that you don't normally use in order to get in better shape. So if we're not used to using some of these muscles, God wants to train us. Jesus is wanting to train us. This is what the kingdom of God is like. Now, what would happen if everyone in the world, global, global man, what would happen if everybody did this? It'd be pretty cool, wouldn't it? It'd be, oh, peace. You know, it'd, be, it'd be awesome. It'd be, and I, you know, if, if the problem is, people say, this is not practical. Right? This is not practical. We can't do this. Governments can't do this. You know, we've got whatever. All the different reasons why it can't happen. Okay? So, I'm not going to try to solve international relations and the entire deal this morning. So let's bring it down a little bit. Um, what, we, what would happen if we did it in the spheres where we have a say-so? So every place where Marley can you know, do something about it in a relationship with parents or children or relationship with friends, people in the church, people at work, what if we just, what if we just did this thing? kind of changed the world in our little little piece of the world. Actually, this is how the kingdom comes, by the way. This is what Jesus, in teaching this, this is what He's you know, moving us in this direction for. On the surface, you hear these words, these verbs, love. Is that a good one? Everybody's like, yeah, I'm in. Do good. I think, Stuart? Thumbs up. Do good. Bless. Yeah. Pray for people. Do good. Now, it's, the problem's not the verbs. We're good on the verbs. It's the direct object of the verbs. So it's the love your enemies. Right? It's the do good to those who mistreat you. It's the bless those who 
curse you. you know, it, that's, where it's, that's where it gets difficult. That's where we struggle. It's those, those pieces. And it's calling us more. Jesus is saying, that second paragraph there, don't, don't just be like everybody else. This isn't a deal where you just love people who love you. I'm calling you to something more than that. You know, if you just do good to people who are good to you, like the whole world does that. The world already does that. I'm bringing a kingdom that's so much more than that. So it's, it's kind of like Dallas Willard once said, if you can imagine somebody standing here and, uh, you know, it's, it's my friend. And so Dallas says, this is the way the world thinks. The carnal mind is I've got a friend and the friend of my friend, whoever this person is over here. So the friend of my friend is my friend. Okay, if if I've got a friend and, and, you, and you're friends with my friend, this is the way international politics and allies work, by the way. If you're friends with my friend, hey, we are, we're good, right? But the, 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 the friend of my enemy, the friend of my enemy, well then, they've got to be my enemy too. They can't just be somebody I just love because I'm, I'm enemies with that person. And so if they're friends with them, that means they're the same as them. And so... Uh, the friend of my enemy has got to be my enemy. Everybody tracking? It's a little complicated. It's like math or something today. Now, check this out. And the enemy of my enemy, if I'm still just thinking this way, this is I'm just carnal-minding this thing, the enemy of my enemy, oh, wow, that can be my friend because they're, we have a common enemy. You remember Jesus on the day that he was killed, Herod and Pilate, Herod and Pilate, they both murdered Jesus, became friends that day. They had a common enemy. That's the way the world, even sinners, do that. Good to those who are good to us. I'm calling us, Jesus is saying, I'm calling you to something more. I'm asking you to be trained in a different kind of way, to use different kinds of muscles, and it's the muscles of the kingdom of God. I'm training you in the kingdom. That's what this whole series, that's what Jesus is doing. He called, called disciples, and now he's starting to say, this is the way the kingdom of God works. And you know what? The kingdom of God is now, but it's also not yet. We experience it now. We experience God's love, but then sometimes we're like, rassin, frassin, that no good Yosemite Sam, fill in the blanks. You know, wasn't in first service. That's that's for you guys. So uh, you know, just like wow, where does that come from? It's because the kingdom hadn't fully come yet, you know. And so, but the, the deal is, the more we do this stuff, the more we're going to experience it. The more we sow in these ways, the more we're going to see it. You pray for the more you pray for the sick. Guess what happens? The more you get to see the sick healed. The more you forgive people, the more you're going to see relationships made right in your life and your anxiety and stress levels go down. The more you bless, the more you're going to receive blessing in your life. You know, that, and the more you love, the more you're going to be an, a conduit. It's like the kingdom is coming through people. That, that's just how it, how it happens. We are like a gateway for heaven or hell breaking into the earth. And so it can be heaven and life and love and the way of Jesus, or it can be backstabbing, no goods, you know, and, and that be life for us. Yuck. You know, so the kingdom is now and not yet, and we want to see this thing happen. And so at the heart of this passage, if you skip down to the end of the second paragraph there, 
is we want to be like God who is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. He said, Jesus sums it up here. He says, be merciful as your Father is merciful. Okay, so here's the main thing. The sermon in one soundbite is this. Jesus is calling us to be merciful in our relationships with others in order to express God's reign on the earth. So we say, let your kingdom come, your will be done. Okay, so we need to be merciful people who are expressing God's mercy to other people in our lives. Students, fellow students, fellow workers, fellow people that we just live life with, people that have you know, done us wrong or talk about us or mistreat us, all that kind of stuff. So a few key questions then kind of rise up in my mind anyway, and I want us to look at this, this new way of being human, truly human, that is. And the first question is this, why is Jesus teaching us to live this way? Why is he doing it? And the first piece is because that's the way God is. Okay, this is not it's not rocket science here. He wants us to be loving, kind, merciful, because that's the way God is. In the Old Testament, there's this massive word called hesed. Hesed. That's the Hebrew word, hesed. And, and, it, and it's translated in a number of different ways, but it's translated like unfailing love throughout the Old Testament. It's translated as steadfast love. It's often translated as mercy. Okay, so... You ever heard the phrase, His mercy is everlasting. That's the mercy of God. It's everlasting. Like it never, ever stops. That's what everlasting means. Okay, so His mercy is, is everlasting. You know, His love endures forever. So a few Psalms. Psalm 100, verse 5. For the Lord is good. His faithfulness continues to all generations. His steadfast love, His mercy endures forever. Psalm 106, verse 1, a lot of the Psalms start this way. Praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His mercy endures forever. Okay, how, this, this sketchy, like how long is His mercy going to last? We, we want in on this. This is the way God is. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Psalm 107, for He is good. His mercy endures forever. Psalm 118, a famous messianic psalm talking about Jesus coming and being the cornerstone of a brand new building in God that's going to last forever. And how does that psalm start? Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His mercy endures forever. So, why is Jesus teaching us to live this way? Can we say this together? That's the way God is. That's the way God that's the way God is. But that's not all. That's the way God acts. So he's teaching us to live this way because that's the way God is and God acts out of his being. He acts consistently with the way he is. And so when Jesus comes, he shows us what God is like. You know, for for years actually uh, the, the rabbis had debated when God comes to the temple, what's God going to do? Is he going to bring judgment? Or is he going to come with mercy? That was a great debate that went on among the rabbis. And you know, what did Jesus do when God actually came to the temple? You know, there was an element of judgment, but there was also an element of mercy. He kind of did both. Or another way of saying it is, in the cross and the resurrection, you see the judgment of God expressed in mercy. Like it's judgment on all of our old flesh takes it to the grave, but he raises us again to live a new life. And everybody, the world over, it's not just for a few or for 
you know, some people that kind of live right. It's for the world, and it's an offer to everybody. It's really good news. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. So check it out. You know, mercy triumphs over judgment. It triumphs over judgment. You know, and so uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 10, uh, Paul's talking there and he says, so while we were enemies, this is how God comes to us. When we could do nothing, I could do nothing, you could do nothing, we could do nothing. While we were enemies in our minds to God, hostile toward God, God comes and we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son. Much more surely, having been reconciled, will we be saved by His life. So if while we were enemies and shaking our fist at God, you know, and doing all that, God comes and Jesus dies for us on the cross, how much more by knowing His life are we going to live in victory because of Him? Yeah, it's, it's this, a lot of it we, we forget. You know, we think, oh, I'm actually nice toward God in my natural mind. I, I've, I think right thoughts about God in my natural mind. We, we don't. And we're in darkness. Apart from Jesus, who's the light of the world, we can't see. You know, and so Colossians 1, 21 and 22 says it like this. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies where? In your minds, thinking all kinds of wrong thoughts about God because of your evil behavior. But now, but now, but now, but now, He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in His sight without blemish and free from accusation. You know what the devil does? He accuses God and he accuses you and he accuses the brothers. He is the accuser of the brethren. That's the name of the devil. It's one of his names. He is the accuser. And so when you sense that going on in your life, when you're hearing it, you know that the enemy's not far away. His schemes, they're not creative new ones. They're the same old devil's schemes that he's been working for thousands of years. Accusing God, accusing you, and accusing other people. And it stops the flow. When we listen to that stuff, it stops the flow of God's love and life that He's wanting to bring through us the kingdom of God to the world around us. The last piece then, why is Jesus teaching us to live this way? It's the way God is. It's the way God acts. It's the way it looks when God reigns. So when His kingdom's like established in our lives, this is what it looks like. It looks like Loving people, blessing people, doing good to them. That's what's going on. This is, you guys, a recipe for changing the world. <laughs> got two come ons and a, yes. and a kind of woos and a yeah. It's a recipe for changing the world. God's reign. It's nothing less than saying, what would the world look like if God were in charge. If God were in charge. I mean, just, yes. This is so good. We don't think this way. We go, oh, that's too hard. I can't do it. But no, 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 no. If God were in charge, this is the way it would look. And it's awesome. If God were in charge, what would it look like in your life loving people if God were in charge? And this is good. You know, one little lady... She, she died a number of years ago. Her name was Mother Teresa. Just kind of kept loving the people that were in front of her. She loved the downtrodden, the, the outcasts, the, in the, one of the poorest slums in one of the poorest cities in the world. 
loved people, and God through that somehow expanded her influence and her say-so and her ability to touch the world and to change the world by loving people that were right in front of her. You know, And He wants to do the same thing. It, it, it's not like, oh, that was a special Mother Teresa dispensation of how God's kingdom works. It's not that way. It's love people, even hard to love people, you know, and, and we're not just, it's love your enemies. And so, you know, a lot of people we wouldn't say are enemies, but they're hard to love. And so they're, they're further up the food chain than, than the enemies, you know. And so let's, let's love these people, right? At least in our own carnal way of thinking about it. We, we're to love. We're to be lovers. And the promise is great reward. The promise is great reward. Your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High. You'll be welcomed into the family. And you'll be doing what it's like to live in God's family. To be right in the triune circle of love. This is the way God loves. This is what it looks like. Okay, so that's why Jesus is teaching this. Then why is it so hard to do it? Uh-huh. Why? <laughs> why is this so hard to do? I mean, it's hard to do. Is it just me? Okay, I'm trying to keep everybody smiling and stuff. Maybe everybody's thinking about, okay, I got some calls to make afterward. That's great. We'll get there. We're going to have some ministry in just a second, but hang with me for just a minute. We got a, I got a little outline I want to work through. So, why is it so hard to live this way? First of all, hurts from current relationships. Can I get a witness? Like, it hurt. That was hard. You know, stuff was said. Stuff was said not in love. Stuff was said maybe even to undermine or hurt or cut us or wound us. You know, and those things, forgiving real situations, could be parents, could be children, could be friends, could be workplace associates, all that stuff, you know, and you give it a little time, it just gets even more complicated, you know, and so hurts. But that's not all. It's not, it'd be, it'd be one thing we could deal with it if it was just hurts from current relationships, but it's not just hurts from current relationships. It's hurts from past relationships. So when you're dealing with somebody and they do something that's kind of off the wall and doesn't fit the situation, it's probably because there's something down in there that's unresolved from the past. So when I'm driving along, being a great driver, you know, speed limit, just minding my own business, and then all of a sudden, some guy comes up and goes, and room pulls it, and the kids are there in the car, they're growing. I said, now, Emily, that person, he's probably got some unresolved stuff going on there in his life that that reaction didn't fit that I wasn't going fast enough for him. I didn't zoom off the light fast enough. Right? Everybody see what I'm saying? So now take that into all the world and all of our relationships and you know, abuse from the past or something happened with mom and dad or, you know, middle school. Just that was hard. <laughs> you know, I'm still I just started wearing boots four years ago. People think I've never seen you not in boots. I only started wearing these because in middle school I was like big techs on skates, you know, and just whoa, we'd go to the skating rink, you know, and I'd be like, hello, little people. You know, and so I got this idea that boots are like I'd be always be like, hello, little people. You know, and so, but Kim and Emily, praise the Lord, talked me into getting some boots. So I'm, I'm in Fort Worth, you know, I'm, I'm acculturated, you know. So 
hurts, you know, and like that's kind of sort of funny, but I mean, some of it's not. You know, uh, about 20 years ago, we had some people come to the church, leaders. We took them to, uh, actually, they came over to our house for a meal, and we had a great time just hanging out, talking, being together. And on the way out the door, the lady uh, grabbed my hand, we were, I shook her hand, and she held on to my hand, and she looked me in the eye and she said, just don't hurt us. And I was like, uh, no, I, I like you guys. I, I hadn't done anything. I was just minding my own business, trying to be friendly and have them over for dinner. But there's some wounds there that were being expressed and, you know, and we went on to become great friends. But that's the kind of thing where the past all of a sudden surfaces in the present and can be, you're not just dealing with somebody's whatever's on the surface. You also got, you know, this stuff down in here, mom, dad, whatever, all the stuff, you know. Another one, why is it so hard to live this way? Is judgments that cut off the capacity to love. So God wants us being conduits of His love flowing through us. But if we make judgments about somebody, you know, and I, and I put myself in the place that God is supposed to be, God has unconditional love for the world. Jesus died for the whole world, you know. But if I come in and go, well, you know, Shelby or, you know, whomever, you know, is only worthy of, of so much love, I've judged them and I'm not able to give them God's love flowing through me. So my judgments will cut off the flow of God's love. I can't love and judge at the same time. Or I can't judge and love with God's love at the same time. It'll always be tainted, mixed, uh, measured. You know, you have to do it right in my eyes in order to receive the appropriate amount of love that I deem you worthy of getting. That's judgments, right? That makes it hard. Who would say that that makes it hard? Another one is withholding forgiveness. Okay, so withholding forgiveness. The way this works is somebody does something. Jesus says, forgive as you've been given. You've been forgiven everything. So you're to forgive everything, but you withhold forgiveness. That means, again, you put yourself on the throne and are judging whether or not somebody's worthy of receiving your forgiveness. Have they done enough Penance? Have they repented enough? Did they repent in the right way? Did they repent with enough tears? Did they do it? Did they go low enough? Did they get on their knees? Did they crawl up to you with their cheek across the across the ground? And then then it's whatever the thing is. I'm being goofy about it, but it's just like those are some of the things. And this one in particular, withholding forgiveness. There's a kind of a frightening verse in Ephesians, Ephesians four twenty six seven eight. I, I forget the verse, but it says, "Don't go to bed angry." Don't go to bed angry because when you go to bed angry, you give the devil a foothold in your life. Okay, who's not into that? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> like, devil, I'm going to bed angry tonight. I want you to just put your leg right here and just jump on up and in. I want you to just work in my life. Like, that just, yuck. I do not want to, like, we decided a long time ago that we weren't going to bed angry with each other because we didn't want the devil to have a place to work in our relationship. So withholding forgiveness, it's not, you know, we think, you know, and what happens over time is you can see somebody that withholds forgiveness over a long period of time, it changes their countenance. You know, it, 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 instead of being a, you know, light, light shining, happy, it gnarls, you know, and just takes, you know, and just, it, 
it, it's hard. You know, and it could be somebody really hurt them. It could be a divorce situation. All those different possibilities. But we don't win when we withhold forgiveness. It's not the way of the kingdom. And the cool thing is, you know, even though sin's involved in all this stuff, even though our fear of death's involved in all of this stuff, even though the devil himself is involved in all of this stuff, and when he's working, this stuff is being touched on. You can count on it every time. It's one of his main schemes. He's not coming up with new ideas. But whether it's sin, death, or de the devil, the good news is, the gospel is that Jesus Christ came to defeat sin, death, and the devil through the cross and the resurrection. So that's, that's good news. It's like, oh man, yes. So how do we walk this thing out? Just practically, last question here. How do we walk this out? Bertrand Russell was a famous atheist. One of maybe the, arguably the most famous atheist from the 20th century. And he said about Jesus' teaching here, love your enemies and do good to those who bless you. He said, I can say nothing against that statement. No, that's interesting. You know, famous, most famous atheist going, you got a good one there, Jesus. Can't say anything about it. He said, but he went on and said, but no one can live that out. And I just want to say, he's right. If you try to live it out out of your own strength like a Pharisee would do it, just on the externals kind of trying to get this thing, you will stumble on this thing and fall. What, what God is trying to do in us is an inside-out work. An inside-out work where God transforms us from the inside, our hearts, our lives, by His Spirit, our thinking, so that we would be the kind of people on the inside that would actually act this way on the outside. That we would be like God in our being so much so that we would be like God in our acting, in our actions. Does that make sense? So it's absolutely huge. We need the power of God for this. There's only one life that can live this life. It's the life of Jesus. We need the power of the Holy Spirit coming in us, filling us. You know, and you know, this, this piece here is so huge. It's why we, there's coming a day when the kingdom is going to come in fullness and there will be no separation between heaven and earth the new heavens and the new earth, okay? And so, you know, we want to see healing. We want to see people set free, all those kinds of things. But this love thing, I think a lot of times we don't think about it as a kingdom reality, and yet God wants us thinking this way. And just like I would point to all things being made right, this love piece is the kingdom that hasn't come yet, but I want to live my life pointing in that direction, this is the way it looks. Loving people, preferring people, blessing people, honoring them, you know, forgiving them, not judging them, all of that stuff. Uh, what's it look like? A couple, uh, not a couple weeks ago, last, last Saturday, uh, Brian Bird, uh, who's on the board for Prison Fellowship, had gone up just a couple days before to Minneapolis. And while he was, in a, he was there, he was in a, went to a prison prison. Uh, which was funny, when I got your text that I just got out of prison, I, I didn't have my phone, I was like, what is he saying? I, I understand now. But he'd gone to a prison, to, and they had to give up their phones, obviously. And, uh, or maybe not obviously, but it's a good idea. And uh, so, so he goes to this prison, and he talks with this guy. And the guy said, tell us your, he said, tell us your story. And the guy begins to tell his story. He said, when he was 18 years old, he was involved in a drug deal that went south. And he shot a man and killed him. First degree murder. 
So this guy's just, his life is a wreck. He's in jail for the rest of his life. And, you know, it's just downward spiral, you know, of humanity and all of that. And so one day, this guy who was killed, his daughter is a Christian, comes to the jail, and she said, I know the love and forgiveness of Jesus Christ, and I want you to know that I forgive you. And the guy just absolutely breaks down, starts weeping right there on the spot. takes a while for him to get himself together. And then when he does, he says to her, thanks for giving me back my humanity. So that's, that's how important this is. It's like, it's, it's, the human, it's the way we were meant to be human. Versus the way the devil wants to dehumanize us by holding back love and forgiveness. You know? And so it's like Kim, a couple weeks ago, she preached, did an awesome job. I was proud of her. May there be another time. You know? <laughs> but uh, so she preached and she's t- telling her story, you know, and her dad left when she was 13 and was gone from their lives, you know, left, didn't take care of her. And so but about five years ago, she was forced with a decision with he, when he had all, onset Alzheimer's, was she going to be the caretaker for him or not? And it was a crossroads about love and forgiveness. And her just telling that story was powerful, you know, of forgiving and loving and still, I mean, it's been a crazy couple of weeks uh, since uh, she even, you know, spoke. Um, but that's the kind of forgiveness that we're talking about. And so the big question here for us, just as we're wrapping this up, is am I willing to go this way? Am I willing to walk down this path of love? doing good, blessing, praying for, and not just like the world does, friend of my friend's my friend, you know, the friend of my enemy is, you know, my now going to be my enemy, but some rising above that. It's like that stuff is like a vicious cycle. And just once you get on that deal, it's just a cycle that just goes around and around and it doesn't go like this. It actually goes like this. It's a vicious cycle. It's a toilet bowl kind of vortex of unforgiveness, judgment, hatred, you know, and but that cycle can be broken with love. And we can be people that break the cycle, that break the vicious cycle of judgment. That's what God's calling us into, to show love, to show mercy, to, to refuse to judge, to forgive. That's the kingdom of God. And if that's what it looks like expressed in our lives. When I started this morning, I said, what would it look like in all the world to see this happen? You know, this This is part of our vision. It's part of our vision as Christian people that there is an end. That's what I was talking. There's an end that we're we know where this ends. This this ends with the kingdom coming in fullness. But we're supposed to be people right now that live into that live expressing that kind of vision right now. And nobody does it perfect. I don't do it perfect. And you don't. No perfect lovers in here. No perfect forgivers. No perfect non-judgers in here. You know, we all struggle with this. But come on, here's my... We're living into this. This is Jesus saying, this is the way of the kingdom. This is the way I, I'm calling you. And to be like people that point in our actions and treatment of people, we point toward this. We live into that reality. You know, and you know, international politics, I can't solve all that, but we can solve what we can do. We can use, we can be kingdom people where we have influence, where we have a say so. Revival is about this far away right now. 
I mean, no, no, I'm, I'm serious. It's about this far away. Charles Finney, years ago, 1820s, 30s, 40s, 50s, Charles Finney said that revival is nothing but the beginning of a new obedience to God. Okay, so revival is not like way off out in the distance. Revival in our hearts, it's, it's right there. It's just right... Yeah. It's right here. And the question is, are we going to be people that say yes to what Jesus is saying to lead us into life? We need the power. I can't do it, but God can. We can't do it, but God can. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need an encounter with Jesus Christ. We need God moving in our lives, and He wants to do it. And it's not way out there, and then when you get to be 30 or something, you get to experience it. It's now. It's right there. But it's saying yes. And it's just this incredible moment of this window of opportunity for us. So stand up. We want to respond to God today. We want to Oh, we want to see mercy happening in our relationships. Worship team, ministry team, come up. Hey, if you're visiting with us, every Sunday we do this. So this is not new. We have people up here for prayer. We respond. We, we believe that God wants us to respond in the moment to what God's doing you know, in our lives. And so if the Holy Spirit has spoken to you, you've sensed that maybe it might be a person on your heart or somebody to get right with or somebody to love or bless or do good. You know, what helps in the moment if God's moving to say is to, to get somebody to say, hey, would you pray with me? Would you just pray with me? Lay a hand on my shoulder and just, just ex- express God's heart and desire. And I want to say, just this revival thing, it starts with Jesus, okay? So if you don't know the Lord, say yes to Jesus today. Today can be the greatest day of your life, of salvation. And it just starts by saying, yes, Jesus. Lord, I want you. And there's another kind of salvation that's just we keep walking deeper into. And that is where Jesus gets more and more of our hearts, more of our lives, and we say, yes, Holy Spirit, come. Give me grace to obey in this way. And you know what? He wants to change our lives. He wants to change us. He does not want us to stay where we're at, just not even another day. Don't wait until Thursday. Thursday, I'm going to do this. Friday, I'm going to do don't, don't Don't put it off. Say yes right now. And the result, you guys, is just the kingdom coming in our lives. It's awesome. It's beautiful. It's good. So Lord, meet us here today. Give us grace to respond in this word that, Lord, really everybody could respond to in some way. But Lord, just help us. If you're nudging at our hearts about something to get prayer up here at the front or with people we've come with, please don't leave without letting the Lord just take this thing a, a step deeper in your heart. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, if you need help in any way, prayer about things that I've talked about or just other things that are happening. Forgiveness, love, maybe, might be a financial need. Come on. Don't leave without getting help today. We love you, Lord. Change us, God. Meet us in this moment. Bring revival, Lord, as we say yes. Stir our hearts to you, Jesus. Jesus.